like X. It's triple X. It's probably PG thirteen. It's like R sometimes, but not like hard R. You know what I mean? Like it's pretty soft R. Softcore porn. Soft R porn. I can get behind that. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show today. We're joined by some of the most incredible people here. We got straight across from me. We got the beautiful, the incredible, the most amazing person. Great guy, great guy. Tell you what, great guy. Well, it's no, to be here. Yeah, no, I'm not talking about <laughs> you, you little vamos. Yeah, I got Aubrey straight across from me. Look at me deep in the eyes. How you doing, Aubrey? Oh, we're doing good. It's another day, another Monday. First time we've ever recorded this show, not at the crack of fucking dawn. Uh, it's actually the afternoon right now. Uh, so, you know, changing it up a little bit. Uh, we got our other host over here. Uh, ben, how you doing? Um, I'm okay with existing today, you know. It's a marked improvement. All right, uh, just shut the fuck up and don't talk to me about your problems. Because, frankly, I don't care. And then, last but not least, we got a new boy over here. First time on the show, long time coming. Actually, that's, you know, a general theme for him. It takes him a long time to come. Bill. What's up, guys? It's Bill. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, welcome to the show. That's tough. It's an hour of tough conversation with the boys and shit like that. Anyway, roll the credits or whatever. <laughs> Elevator music. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna open up with something easy. Is your PO hot? Is my what? Is your PO hot? I don't have a PO. You don't have a PO? Mm-mm. Unsupervised then. Correct. Damn. I can't believe they uh, don't want to keep a close eye on you. Yeah. Especially after what we learned about the uh, shooter at the BLM riot. <laughs> yeah, you should. <laughs> should we delve into that? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah? Yeah. So basically, there was a uh, an 18-year-old kid who brought his AR to a riot here in Boise. for uh, It was back in 2020 for the BLM riots. And this kid literally let off a couple shots, and all he got was... 32 hours of community service and unsupervised probation. Now, what's so fucked up about this is I got 40 hours of community service and unsupervised probation for, for marijuana. But it, but at least the only bit of it that you owned up to was that one singular blunt, too. Yeah, so basically I actually pled guilty to paraphernalia, which if you know what paraphernalia is, that's that can mean a pipe. So pretty much I got a more extreme sentence for a weed pipe than someone firing an AR in front of the Capitol building. With a crowd of people around. Yeah. In a probably racially motivated crime. Correct. Oh, he was a a proud boy. Oh, I don't know, but it, that, that's likely. the image I'm getting. Kyle Rittenhouse <laughs> 2.0. Um, but also, okay, so... Tell me about the other night and that whole situation, because I kind of want to hear his take on it. The the um, step in or don't step in on that. Uh, oh, yeah. When we were downtown. 
Yeah. Okay. Although, yeah. All right. Well, fuck it. Um, we were downtown just shooting the shit, playing some pool at Hannah's or something. We walk out of the bar and we go just, I don't know, two blocks down the street toward like where Roddy's and all that shit is. And we see this dude in flip flops with like long red hair. And he's, I don't know, he's got his chest puffed up. He's like approaching this dude. Well, the guy on the other end of it, as like these guys are yelling at each other, was this Armenian dude. Or like, you know. Arme- I couldn't tell if he was ambiguous or brown guy. Uh, yeah. I don't think he was Hispanic. The beard, but just... like, the beard kind of tips me towards Armenian because um, my, all my Armenian friends had like beards. How did he dress? He looked like Middle he, East kind of. Yeah, I think if anything was probably more Middle Eastern or Armenian, but regardless. It looks like he could have climbed out of a Bugatti in Dubai, like that kind of yeah. thing. Not white. Yeah, either way, it was, it was some brown guy. And um, anyway, the dude with the flip-flops, like he's... I don't know, screaming at him, yelling random shit. And then he's like, hey, dude, get the fuck out of my country. Like, fuck you, all this stuff. And the Armenian dude kept trying to just, like, step aside and get out of his way. Yeah, and he was clearly bigger than him and could, like, handle himself. So he was just pushing his arms away and stuff. But this white dude's, like, swinging at him and stuff. And we're walking on the street. We're right next to him. And all I said, I turned and I was like, dude, flip-flops, like, fucking chill out, you know? And I don't think he even heard me because I didn't say it that loud. But, like, Bernie, Bernie's ready to just move on. He just, like, doesn't want to be a part of this. And I understand where he's coming from in some ways. But I'm also, like, I don't know. I just, I wish I had stepped in. That was that was my big thing, was just wishing I'd intervened a little bit. Because the our friend, this brown dude, did not deserve to get whatever was happening there. No, and, like, I kind of briefly mentioned this to you. But it was three of us downtown and this brown dude was getting flack from one dude and his super drunk friend who was just kind of like an impartial third party so my thought was is like honestly it probably wouldn't come to fisticuffs if all three of us like stood side by side with that brown dude yeah because he was getting swung at and that was the thing where it's like this could turn easily into a fist fight or i feel like you get three four dudes on one side just being like fucking back off dude yeah, and like, no matter how drunk it. you are, you don't want that smoke. Like, we're not huge guys, but I feel like... Yeah. I mean, were both of the white dudes drunk, or was it just his friend who was Toasted, drunk? both of them. Okay. Yeah, and, I mean, the police did roll up after... Like, we, we kind of stood by not doing anything for, I don't know, half a minute to a minute. I ran and grabbed the police as soon as I saw what was happening. But I think I that's, sure, honestly, I think that that's your best bet. I made sure to like give them the details, too, because I didn't want them to racially profile or anything, because the white guy, Loki, as soon as the cops came, he's like, that guy was like trying to fight me and like trying to play a bitch, but I like kind of told him, I was like, this is what's happening. Right. And yeah. so they took a statement from the brown guy, I'm pretty sure. Also, yeah, I mean... Yeah, I think the one know. thing you just need to be okay with is just confrontation. And some people aren't okay with that. So you just, you kind of just have to go into it. I mean, I was talking to someone about this the other day, but if you get into a fight with someone, you're not just fighting to fight. Like if I'm in a fight with someone, I'm ready to like, you know, it could go a lot of different ways. Yeah. So that's what you have to be prepared for when you're confronting someone that you have, you have no idea who they are. You don't know what's in their pockets. You don't know. You don't know anything. This is a completely unknown situation yeah. that you're walking yourself into. So, 
it's I think I think you made the right decision by talking to the cops, but also I mean, you know. It just it kind of just depends. If you're just if you're ready to to approach that situation and, you know, sort it out yourself, then sometimes that might be the better option. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like that's kind of where my mind always goes is like a knife or a mm-hmm. gun or some shit, you know, like I don't know. But I mean, the other question is is that guy going to um in, like what is it uh bring the situation up to weapons? You know what I mean? Um, escalate. It. Escalate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is he going to escalate? And with drunk people, obviously, that's kind of a, that's a luck of the draw thing. Yeah, I think there used to be such thing as, like, fight etiquette. I don't know when. I'm not going to say a number, probably, maybe even, like, 10 years ago or more. But there was, I feel like there was kind of an unspoken code where, you know, if you got into a fist fight with someone, it just remained that. Like, it didn't escalate at all. But post-COVID, people are fucking insane. I don't trust anybody when it comes to, like, that type of thing. People will just, you know, like we were just talking about road rage. People will literally block your car off, come out with a gun, and try to, like, murder you over nothing. Over cutting them off. Literally nothing, bro. I had a friend of a friend who, in a road rage incident, killed someone with his gun. Like, the dude was road raging, came up to the car... Started pounding on the window. Yeah. People are he just... popped the guy. Ended up going to prison for that. Mental he, health he is an all-time low. Yeah, like my buddy who popped the guy. Your buddy went Buddy's to prison? Buddy's buddy, yeah. Was this yeah. in California? Here. Really? Yeah. I feel because like usually there was no threat. imminent threat, per se, to bottle... Like, or at least that's what the lawyers were saying. Because it was, it was versus the state. Because the other guy died. The guy who got mm. shot. Yeah. Is Idaho staying your ground? Yeah, it's castle doctrine, I believe. You can defend your castle. Mm. But that's kind of dubious when it comes to cars, because obviously if you're fucking in your car or having sex in your car and they roll up on you, that's considered um, fornicating in public, which is a sex offense. Whereas (laughs) it's like if your car is your domicile where you're living then technically it's not you know what i mean like cars are kind of like a gray area when mm-hmm. it comes to legality what, what was the state's argument that he could have evaded the situation he could have just driven away something like that i think there was also some extent to which he was like the aggressor in traffic potentially i don't know all the nuances of that case but i just you know really it's like honestly especially in today's society like, obviously, the question is, is shoot first, ask, ask questions later, because at least you're alive in, you know, that's standard rules of engagement. If you think you're under threat, defend yourself and then figure it out later. Obviously, yeah. that works better if you have non-lethal alternatives. But I think even even in Idaho, sometimes there's still complications to a pretty cut and dry self-defense argument. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I've always, I've always heard that you have to you have to try and exhaust whatever means you have yeah. and, and before you draw down or especially before you fire. And so like in my mind, my thought would be like best case scenario, right? I'm in a roadway situation where it, I end up having to pull the trigger. 
uh, in my mind, the idea would be you, A, try to just evade the situation if it's road rage. So you just drive away. But let's really? say they do cut you off and pin your car so you're stuck and you can't back up, you can't do anything. And then they get out. Well, then the question's like, do you identify a gun? Do you not? Do you see them with a weapon? All those things. Also, have you like called 911? Because if this is a road rage incident, maybe it's lasted you know more than a minute or so mm -hmm. like are you on the phone with 911 actively telling them yeah. like hey this is what's going on because you can him. use that as a deterrent but mm -hmm. i mean honestly i think it's pretty foolhardy to assume that the police would be there in any sort of timely manner it's I, not that they'll be there but it's your conversations recorded now right yeah. so they can hear what's happening in the altercation it's all for legal purposes yeah. yeah i think that that's your best bet every time is to get the cops involved 911, whatever, take down his license plate. Because you might be on the that, phone with them saying, thing. I see a weapon in his hand, like, I'm, you know, I think he's about to swing at the door. I'm going to shoot. And if, you know, the person on the other end of the phone is like, okay, like, yeah. <laughs> that might give you a lot more leeway. Weapons when, free. <laughs> yeah. Weapons free. Engaged targets near to far. <laughs> I think my question about that is, like, I know people, I feel like people have always, there's always been crazy people in the world, obviously. And honestly, it could be argued that the world has actually been in a, like, crazier state before now. But my question is, like, why are so many people unstable? I think it, it seems like it's like record breaking numbers just because before it might just be, you know, it, it might not be that they're unstable. They might just be hyper violent people, you know. But they maybe that just like that was part of their lifestyle. I honestly think. But now it seems like people are unstable because they have nothing else to like do. Do yeah, they yeah. have nothing else to think about. Do no, I think it has a lot to do with during COVID. Everyone was so isolated. I know for a fact, like mental health issues got. I mean, at least I think the reporting of it. Yeah. But beyond that, it's like we spent basically a year being conditioned that all other humans are scary. You know yeah. what I mean? Because, oh, yeah, you could sure. kill me. I, I mean, I never bought into that, but a lot of people did. Where, like, I have friends now where it's like, if I see crowds, I'm scared. Because I'm, like, post-COVID. Mm -hmm. But, like, for me, I saw crowds during COVID, and I was like, hell yeah. Mm -hmm. But for other people, you know, they've been conditioned into seeing other humans as a threat. So... Beyond just that, everyone spent basically a year locked in their houses, alone, isolated, and glued to the TV. So you have, you know, CNN and Fox basically telling everyone to hate the other side. So I think everyone's just been hyper-conditioned. So there's the, kind of a mindset now where it's just everyone's for themselves, basically. Yeah. And that bleeds into any little kind of everyday activities, whether that's driving whether that's going to the grocery store, it can just be anything, but it's sort of an overall attitude. At least I, I definitely pick up on that more so than before. Obviously, there's still nice people. Yeah. You know? Well, but. and I've even noticed the same kind of paradigms in racial relations, whereas before I thought I'd characterize most of my interracial... You good? Um, I think... Yeah, I might just be, like, too zoomed out to where... But your levels look a little bit weird. Yeah, I mean, just manage them, I guess, as you go. I'm this one, yeah. so I'm on three. I'm just going to pump myself a little bit. 
Okay, that should be good. But uh, what I was going to say is I think in general, most of my inter- uh, interracial um, uh, interactions were pretty amicable, but now I feel like some of the uh, African-American or African-descended people that I communicate with almost feel like there's a chip on their shoulder while I'm talking to them or, like, they're expecting me to be, like, the white people they're told that white people are like. Mm. And, like, my Asian friends are more wary of, like, Asian hate crime type shit because if you think about it, it was COVID, stop Asian hate, BLM riots, all at the same time. Didn't Asian, the whole Asian thing happened before COVID? No, it was uh, partially because of COVID, because Mm -hmm. a lot of people blamed Asian people for COVID. So, I don't know. It just feels like uh, we're a pretty fractured society. Like, everyone's got their little group. We're not Americans anymore. It's... I think the people who really are worth your time are the people that don't buy into the bullshit, whether they're black, whether they're Asian... They can objectively understand that, yes, there's been fucked up things that have happened to my group of people because of whether they want to say America or white people or whatever. But that's not going to I'm going to judge people on an individual basis rather than a group basis. So just the fact that you look this certain way, I'm not going to characterize you as having these specific traits, you know, like I, I, I know a lot of like, at least in Florida, there's I mean, there's a lot of really dope black people there who just are like, you know, like they just they're so used to being in a society when with white people, with Mexican people, Cuban, like there's just so it's a melting pot of so many different types of people that nobody even thinks twice about that, you know? Yeah, no. I think it's I think it's in places more where it's like Boise or, or places that are just more divided in that sense. Well, that even L.A. That. Like, but L.A. is divided. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. There's like neighborhoods for everyone. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas like in New York City, at least you have like Chinatown, Little Tokyo, Senegal, like all of that. They have like their cultural center in the city where they all meet up, but everyone lives everywhere else. Mm-hmm. So... I feel like one of the things, though, that's escalated a lot of the, like, crazy shit we're seeing is just, like, one, I know we closed, like, mental institutions, so there's that. There's, like, a lot more folks on the streets untreated and getting shit. But, like, I don't don't even know if it's necessarily your, like, homeless and drug populations that are, like, displaying crazier behavior. But I think a lot of it's from just your everyday people who are getting like deconditioned from knowing like what their community is like because mm-hmm. we've replaced it all with social institutions. Yeah. And when you're online, you've got like such anonymity. Everyone you come across is just like, you know, a generic version of themselves. That's not the real person that you know, or who's, you know, actually in front of you on a day to day basis. Like if you, if you look back at church attendance or community organizations like Rotary and Kiwanis and Lions, it's like, People used to know who their neighbors were, right. and now we live such like isolated lives that mm-hmm. I think it's a lot easier to treat people you come across as strangers because you don't think that just because you share a community that you think anything alike. Right. I yeah. think part of that would be like a good example of that would be like if you're texting someone and they piss you off or whatever, you, you have an option to block them, right? 
it's I feel like people have kind of like transferred that over into real life where it's like, you know, like if, if something if there's something that doesn't meet their standards with someone else, they're just like there's no there's no form of empathy or oh let me think about this from this person's perspective. It's just like no, I can just get rid of that person and just move on with my life. Like our social the social like fabric now in 2023 is just like it's it's evolved into something that I just I don't think anyone's ever like really experienced this I think we're kind of the first humans at least to really experience something like this where people just you know they they kind of they they just are living their own lives like they don't really think about anyone else's lives except for themselves well in like an online world too you're you're making snap judgments all the time yeah every video you see you're trying to decipher if it's even real right and so i think yeah. it it's creating a weird conditioning that when you go out in the real world and you just see normal everyday people unless you make it a you know you make it a part of your life where you purposely are interacting with people face to face often it becomes really hard if you're that guy that's just been in his house for months and all yeah. of a sudden he's out on the streets and he yeah. doesn't understand that what he's looking at and observing isn't the same as the online world and the TikTok videos he's watching or whatever. Well, I'm kind of a step further on that process, like deciding whether or not the information you're getting is correct. These uh, AI deep fake videos that people are doing of like politicians and shit saying like out of pocket crap is funny, but terrifying. Yeah, when you think of the implications of what that can mean. Yeah, I yeah. mean, literally, like, think about how that even affects legal cases. Like, I could fake oh. a video of you saying, I'm going to roll up to your house and kill you, and then I could shoot myself, and then you'd be going to prison for life because yeah. there's a video of you with your voice and your face saying, I'm going to roll up to your house and kill you and make it look like a suicide. I'm sure that's already happened. Yeah, no. with it, with the couple months that AI's been at this advanced level, like the but that's what, what the it? public has access to. That's I bet you, every, like, there's been access to that technology. Oh yeah, for, for sure. Years. No, it doesn't just pop up. But I think that I think that whatever version we we see of AI, whether we're on Twitter, or we're on Instagram, whether that's like a a meme, like the the Biden thing that you showed me, where it's an AI voice who's like impersonating Biden. Whatever, whatever, like, level of AI we see now, I think it's safe to bet that that's probably, like, ten times as advanced as we're actually seeing it. Like, it's like probably something what, that what we can What actually even... exists right, right. is ten times yeah. more advanced. Yeah, I mean, yeah. even if you look at, like, the technology Disney has been using to, like, de-age actors, mm -hmm. like... That technology has at least existed in some way for years. Mm -hmm. I mean, you think of... Like in Tron, it definitely entered the Uncanny Valley with um, Flynn or the dad character. But, like, that came out in, like, 2011 or 2010. That okay. technology has been being perfected for so long now. So when, you, when we hear about AI becoming self-aware and then whatever they say, they say, oh, I want to know what love feels like. Do you guys think that that's just programmed or do you think that there's an actual influence behind that whatever it is we i can think speculate on that but right now most of it's just text-to-speech recognition and assuming what conversations are supposed to transpire and well, if 
if they're looking at just massive source material and like i think a guy this just happened with the bing ai system there's a reporter and he was talking to it and all of a sudden it was saying oh i'm in love with you like Mm -hmm. uh, you know you need to leave your wife and be with me and all this stuff but it's like while that is a crazy conversation to think it's sentient and it's doing that not because but it, it probably doesn't actually understand the ramifications of what it's asking it probably just ended up on Pornhub. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe something like that, or it's just looked at, you know, hundreds of thousands of conversations between like other people and just assumed that that was what it wanted normal. to display. Do we yeah. think it's possible for it to be sentient? I don't know. If, uh, isn't that like the, that's the big question yeah. of like, I think you just have to define, I mean, I guess the sentience is pretty self-explanatory, but I would say it could be sentient, but not in the way where it it's programmed to become sentient. It's not actually. I think the hard thing is, is I don't know how you'd program emotion into something. You know what I mean? Because that's a chemical reaction that happens in our brains that creates those emotions. I think you could tell a computer what people do when they're feeling certain emotions, but I don't think the computer would actually understand the emotion. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think we're like it, we're starting to ask theoretical questions that even if we knew better how consciousness worked, it wouldn't help us understand what AI is capable of. Yeah. Because if it, at the end of the day, we're just a bunch of, you know, if if you believe in materialism and like human consciousness is just a essentially artificial creation it's stuff that you're it's your brain it's certain neurons firing it's synapses it's like all of it is just stuff that could be broken down and recreated yeah outside you know interesting theory about that actually so i don't know if you guys know but i forgot what like this experiment is called but basically they did this like experiment 10 years ago 15 years ago something like that where they took like there was they they monitored like people who were on their deathbeds who were about to die right and then these people pass away and as they pass away they had them on a scale or something but they 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 like monitored a ct scan yeah but they activity well that but they, they monitored their like actual like weight like how much they weighed and every single person when they died they lost like 0.3 kilograms and it's like this nobody can explain what what that is but it's they like all the way to the soul something like that yeah but it's like a real experiment and it's like huh yeah i mean it's it's i don't know if they ever really came out with like oh this is what this means but if i did like think about consciousness that's kind of where my brain goes i just think about that because i, I do think that we we have something that sets us apart from anything an animal ai whatever you know I think that humans definitely are still fallible, obviously, but I think that that's kind of the point of life. You're not supposed to be perfect. You're supposed to, it's about experience. You're supposed to just kind of learn, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I, wor- I worry less about like AI gaining sentience than I worry about just what we were talking about earlier. The idea of not being able to trust video anymore yeah, and having to go back to a court system that relies on just witness testimony. And well, and wasn't there a recent study that said like 90% of the time witness testimony is pretty much useless anyway? Well, we, we have studied and or researched how flawed witness testimony can be because you can fabricate 
in your mind stuff that you assume is 100% true. But like, who was that guy who misremembered being in a helicopter crash or some shit? I don't know. Because there was a news anchor who was talking about... Oh, I mean, Brian Williams or something? I think yeah, he, he was about... talking about being stationed in Afghanistan and being, like, shot down in a Huey or uh, I think Black he said Hawk. his Blackhawk took RPG fire, and it didn't actually crash or get shot down, but then they were able to realize that there was no way that could have happened. And a lot of that, I think, is just, like, hubris. It's somebody wanting to inflate the stories of their on-the-ground reporting. But, I mean, also, from another level, I mean, there's definitely memories in my life where I'm like, did that actually happen that way? Or is that just how I remembered it? Or did I, like, remember it and then add something to it? You know what I mean? Like, misremembering is definitely, like, a thing. Because you can lie to yourself enough times that you kind of believe it. Mm -hmm. Like... I don't know. There's like also with media and stuff like I was watching home videos from when I was a kid and, you know, there was this one shot and then weeks later I dreamed about that shot. And then months later, I thought that my memory of what happened in that shot was something that I remembered, but then I was questioning why I remembered it in a third-person perspective, like outside of myself, and I realized that I had basically taken that video of me as a kid, and it had become like a memory, but it wasn't a memory of what actually was happening, but it was a memory of me watching what happened. So, like, you know, we're, our psyche is pretty easily suggestible you know what i mean like you can right. add or take away from people's memory that's why like gaslighting is a thing because you can cause people to question their own reality well and that's that's where i'm saying it, we can go back to a court system because before video that's what you would have had was just witness testimony and exacting justice based on what people remembered or the circumstances and a good yeah. alibi but i'm just thinking we're going to have to regress in terms of the legal system. Yeah. Back to that kind of system. It's not or, to say that that one's perfect, but if we realize that neither is video anymore, then or add like a whole section of the legal system. That's entire purpose is to authenticate videos and look for like aberrations or artifacts of AI, uh, you know, footage. Same thing with papers, right? Also mute me for a second. I'm just going to fix my mic. Uh, yeah. Going back to talking about papers, though, in school, like I was working with ChatGPT the other day and just having it create, you know, a script for um, cold calling a certain business as a financial advisor. And it did it basically exactly as well as the stuff that we're handed and given to work with. And I'm like, well, if I was, you know, a kid and I had to write a paper in school on to kill a mockingbird or something. And instead of, instead of using my own brain for the entire project, I could just, you know, use chat GPT to write me an outline, have chat GPT tell me where I need to look in the book to get quotes for certain chapters and key concepts. Yeah. And I just do that. And then I just tell it to write me a 50 word summary of spark notes. And now I know about as much about to kill a mockingbird as I would reading it for myself at a sixth grade level, then it's like, I go ahead and I 
have it write most of the paper and then just change some things and reword it a bit. Yeah. It's like, I don't know that you could really stop that kind of plagiarism as a teacher right now. Well, and honestly, like beyond that, it's like if those are the tools that are open to us, isn't the purpose of education, quote unquote, supposed to be teaching us how to use the tools that are at our disposal? So on like some level, it's like, why not? <laughs> I think you just you would have a massive loss in people's thinking ability. For, for sure. sure. Yeah. I think the main thing is you have to think of where is this going? What's this going to look like in five years? And if you're having ChatGPT write a script for you to cold call a business, you could safely assume that in five, 10 years, 20 years, whatever, that's just going to be, you're not going to have a job. It's going to take your job. That's the main concern people have now is like, Oh, if AI can do all this stuff, why can't it just like take people's jobs, whether they're like website designers, coders, graphic designers, AI can do all of that. Yeah, I'm not I'm Better not a coder. humans, arguably. I'm not a programmer myself, but I I told Jet GPT, I was like, hey, run um create Tetris for me in C. And it went ahead and did it, and then sent it over to my brother. Who will rename, remain nameless? Rename yeah. lameless. <laughs> rename lameless. Uh, I sent it over to him. He's a programmer. He looked at it, and while it wasn't perfect code and there were a few edits he had to make, it still would have saved him the bulk amount of time that he has spends just writing the simple code that you know mm-hmm. he knows how to do. There were a few complex things that Chat was having a hard time with, but essentially he had the same programming knowledge as somebody who'd been programming for five, 10 years. And so just working through that, it's like, my bro- I was just telling my brother, I was like, why not just use this more often and have it save you a bunch of time on projects and stuff. That's an interesting kind of thought process too, is if computers can program themselves, then they can essentially learn. You know what I mean? Like you could theoretically train a computer to program itself but obviously would have to understand like the binary implications of like each choice it made and whatnot but i don't know that's weird i guess i think we're gonna run into a weird world of there will be people who've adopted it well and integrate it into their work day mm-hmm. and are having you know 2x their productivity that they normally would in a year and then there's going to be people who never explore what's in it yeah and don't understand and they just die on the hill of you know not trying to adapt yeah no it is interesting too because twitter pre musk days had like an ai chat bot that they uploaded to twitter and gave a twitter account and within like 20 minutes of it being live or something it was just like spewing racist crap like misogynist crap like you have to be really careful where you allow these AI to learn from. And obviously, like, funny thing is, is basically it just tells you how important it is to, as a parent, be the one teaching your kid selectively and choosing what they get to learn. Because if, you know, the kid is allowed to learn by being on Twitter and YouTube from a young age, they're going to be a little racist piece of shit who thinks that Andrew Tate is a god. Yeah, are we seeing a breakdown where we're going to have to go back to the old ways? I think so. I think we're getting to the point where, you know, I mean, think about even our generation is kind of in 
smaller pockets, but how many kids do you know who own a record player now? Like a lot. Yeah, I and think there's like a, a resurgence of like a getting obsessed with vintage stuff. But I'm saying the obsession with vintage stuff, I think, is more so our obsession with how that era was portrayed to us and the processes by which people enjoyed music, for instance, as a microcosm of that. Um, like, there is something nice about the warmth of a tube amp and, you know, vinyl and the process of putting a disc down on the tray and then spinning it up and then placing the needle and then you get that warm crackle. Like, I think people are rebelling against the digital era and everything that it has with it, or at least trying to find something more tangible because nothing exists right now. Yeah. Well, remember when we were just watching La La Land and um, there's a shot in it when they're having the basically the end of the relationship argument. And I thought one of the cool shots that it shows while the argument is going on is, I don't know, Ryan Gosling's character makes some final statement where you can tell like there's been a clear tear in the fabric of their relationship. And they then cut to the record player, which just ended the track and is yeah. now spinning and can't play anything else. They're like essentially like the record is over. It's the end of the song. And there's a finality to it that you don't have if you're just listening to music online. You know, yeah. you're never gonna run out of Spotify next plays. Like, mm-hmm. I think it kind of brings like the whole AI thing. It sort of brings to me at least it 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 kind of brings up some existential questions. Like, I feel like you kind of have to decide for yourself: is this a world that I want to live in, or is this a world that I'd want to bring kids into, etc. Based on your judgment of that, I think that that's that's kind of the best way to operate with all of this. Like, if you think that it would be genuinely better to, you know, revert to the old ways, like you said, and go live out on a ranch somewhere and grow your own food and have cows and like, you know, just be completely self-sufficient, then that's up to you. If you think that it's better to have AI help you with your work and optimize everything that you do that's up to you too i think that that's kind of what it just comes down to i don't think it it really just brings into question who are you as a person and then once you know that answer that answer can kind of flow into everything else you know wasn't it you who was even talking about the other day um how technology is kind of interacting with military doctrine where it's like should we start training with analog gear and targeting systems and all that yeah there's a big question of when the shit breaks down if like if or when it breaks down because like right now if you're using you know a blue force tracker and you know the locations of all of your friendly units and everything but all of a sudden that tracker goes down now all of your old school methods of supporting a convoy where it's all line of sight based and you have dust intervals and you allow yourself to be able to visually see your other cars and vehicles in the convoy. Now it's like, if you had a blue force tracker back in the day, like you could lose visual contact for a moment or two and it wouldn't be the end of the world, but you know, your radios go down, your outside visual contact, they make a turn ahead of you and you don't see it. Now you're stuck and you're lost on your own. And you have to go back to old school map reading. Yeah. And it's like, Technology breaks down there. We I've witnessed a lot of failures where we're in the field and we don't have comms. We don't have a trans a transmitter 
that's big enough to get our signal over this mountain range. Yeah. So we're cut off from our headquarters. And now I'm the brand new butter bar lieutenant out in the field trying to make decisions for, you know, 30, 40 guys. And it could mean the difference of us being stuck out there for, you know, another eight hours or we find our way back and we're okay. But it's like, we started thinking, okay, how much water do we have? How much food do we have? How long yeah. can we be stuck out here? If, you know, they start sending Blackhawks to look for us and stuff while we're just lost in the mountains of Idaho. And it's, it was this weird moment of like, I think we were a little overly dependent on the tech that wasn't there because nobody had cell service. There was no signals and we only had local communication. So yeah. The only thing that saved us was a civilian was coming through and he was actually tr going and hunting down Christmas trees. And he's like, oh, hey, uh, yeah, I got a map right here. And we busted it out and figured out where we were and mm -hmm. got ourselves back on course. But, you know, it, that was just... an issue for the Russians, too, in Ukraine, because they covered up all the road signs. And so they kept getting lost or ending up in the wrong area. Mm -hmm. Um I mean, I, I do think that at some point that type of knowledge is going to be at a premium again. Yeah. We, I, like same thing with reports. We have electronic systems for our supply. So when a piece of material or a part that you need to repair a certain vehicle comes up, you enter it into the system. It gets on the like massive purchase order list and it checks the inventory of all the equipment we have. And if we don't have it, then it'll be sent up even further and then it'll be ordered and we know the price and all those things. And it's like, dude, we might go back to like handwriting memos and shit too. Like, <laughs> yeah. it, it, I don't know. I don't think most people are prepared for what peer on peer warfare would look like. Yeah, because we've been fighting down for so long. Yeah, we've been counterinsurgency or coin. And now we're going back to an army doctrine based on LISCO, which is large scale combat operations. Mm -hmm. and there's nobody who's been trained. Nobody has ever like, there's no case studies. There's never been like a, oh, we, we have clear evidence of what it looks like to do full multi-domain fighting from space all the way to the ground. Like how you manage all of those different battlefields at once. There's no <laughs> commander. I think who's fully prepared or equipped to do that. Yeah. And so all the learning I think is going to take place on the fly. Like in the first few years of world war one, where there's been leaps in technology and it's going to start with cavalry charges against machine guns. And then we'll dig in and find a bunch of new defensive countermeasures that haven't even been invented yet. Yeah. Hmm. Now that is interesting too, because in world war one, like it started with, you know, formations and marching and like borderline kind of feels more like the revolutionary war than a modern war. And then by the end, you know, they were strapping guns to sop with camels and flying planes that were outfitted for weaponry and grenade dropping and all that. Yeah, all of your institutional knowledge is going to be based on data and memory of a battlefield that existed 40 years prior. And I think the pace of technology, how quickly it changes, makes it so that your institutional knowledge that you would have in your three, four stars and your field commanders and stuff like is going to be m more and more useless yeah. with each technological jump we see. No, it is kind of funny because for the last like 10 years, the United States military has been buying MRAPs 
and they're like, okay, uh, what purpose does this really serve in a large conflict? Because mm. IEDs are not going to be as big a deal. Same thing with a warthog. Yeah. There's there's a theory that the A-10 warthog was um, obsolete, essentially, before it was finished. And now it's, you know, it's one of the most beloved planes, both civilian and military, because of its use in coin battles. But the idea that you're just going to take an A-10 drive it down the entire Russian column of tanks and crap that was backed up and, you know, outside Kiev, that's not going to happen because they have enough anti-air def- like yeah. systems that it wouldn't have worked. Like a 10 go Burt. <laughs> I know a 10 do go Burt and that's what people love about it. But it's also like it was strategically useless by the time it was created. Yeah. Well, in any sort of peer on peer conflict, indubitably, it's so slow and it can only fire in controlled bursts because literally the gun would cause it to stall because it's like having a jet engine on the front of your jet pushing against your forward progress. (laughs) Well, sounds like we just can't really depend on technology too much. I think that's the main key here. I, yeah, I do wonder if peer on peer conflict would just be way faster than anybody thinks. It'd be like three months. Do you think that'd be the first thing to go in like modern warfare or if it is already, I don't know, but would people just target like their like cyber warfare type thing? Cyber warfare would be huge. I mean, shutting down, like if, if we wanted to invade China, right? This, This is what I imagine the idea would be. It's like, if we have satellite defeating systems, knock out all their satellites. Yeah. So they can't communicate at all and their gps all that shit doesn't work you can't send cellular messages anywhere Mm -hmm. and then it would be like can we disrupt the grid and if there's electronic you know weaknesses but from having commute computer systems monitor dams and different things like that energy plants shut those down so now you've you know you've ransacked their grid their ability to produce energy is hemorrhaged and then you destroy dams cause massive flooding and then you've destroyed satellites like now you just have these giant cities that are ripe targets for any kind of fast movers and then it just becomes who can dominate who can achieve like space superior supremacy space supremacy yeah those things will then dictate what happens on the ground it is funny because we think war has changed so much but you know go back to world war ii we targeted factories, power stations, communications arrays, like all of that's the first to go every single time. Right. The I, don't stuff that, that's, I don't think that will ever change, to be honest. No, I mean, I don't see it changing, but it is funny because it like comes back to war. War never changes. Like, yeah, no, it really doesn't. But I don't know. You know who wins every single time? Military industrial complex. They're the only winners ever. <laughs> yeah, the guys who profit off of war. Yeah. War profiteers, my G. You sell bandages and bullets. Yeah. Damn. How long have we been going? Like 40 minutes? Mm. 30? Mm, about an hour. Oh, okay. Or no, we're we're hitting 50, I think, pretty soon. Nice. I need a nap. <laughs> Yeah. Or the gym. One of the two. Uh, we should go to the gym. Yeah. I think if I went to the gym, I probably could skip the nap. You trying to get that grind up? 
Bill? Mm, I don't know. Bill's feeling kind of tired right now. Yeah, but imagine how much less tired Bill would feel if he had adrenaline coursing through his veins and testosterone zooming from his balls into his dick. Oh, get that big right. old pump. I think Bill's got that already. <laughs> Bill's got that shit on lock. Oh. So are we uh are we concluding this no. podcast or no. what are we doing? No, I just gotta find a new new topic. New topic. Mm. How's your mom? Not your actual mom. Your mommy. She's good. Hell yeah. She is good. She's sick. She's actually cool. Came in the bar the other day. Chilled out for a bit. Natties? She rocking natties? Natties? All natty tits. Oh, yeah. All natty. Yeah. Natty light, baby. (laughs) (laughs) No, she's a... Yeah, she's, she's a fine specimen. So, yeah, let's talk women. That's a good subject. Love that. I think women in 2023 are just as toxic as men are. As much as men get all the hate, I think women are right there with them. Rory's take. Women are overrated. I think men that don't act like men are the toxic ones. Because I think, like, in the truest form, a man is supposed to be a protector and a provider. So you strip them of that, give them some soy lattes that fuck with their uh, estrogen levels and testosterone and all that shit. And then you end up with toxic men, like uh, incels and shit. So. Have you seen the... I mean, yeah, I think you pulled it up, the female delusion calculator. (laughs) Yeah. Have you ever done that? Mm Mm-mm. The idea of, like, what women expect is normal to yeah. find in a man. So mm. you tell a gal, you're I'm, like... I'm, I'm going to pull it up right now. Keep talking. Okay, yeah. It's kind of like, what what's your ideal man? Right. You know, how how tall is he? Most chicks, six foot, yeah. right? Like, most girls say, regardless of how short they are or fat they are, they say six foot. Yeah. Can he be fat? No. He's got to be in shape. Mm-hmm. Or at least not, you know, he can have a dad bod, but he can't be... He can't be actually obese. obese. Yeah. yeah. So it's like that cuts down. This is in the delusion calculator. I think this website, it pulls from real census data. So this is like, okay. you know, it's facts. Right. <laughs> All right. Here we go. That cuts out like I've 80% it. of the population. I've got it. Right. And then <laughs> no, they have to be, they have to be short and fat. No, no. Watch this. Hold okay. on. Hold on. No, no, no. Right. Let me explain. Yeah. They got to be unmarried, right? Well, preferably. Well, Yeah. But if you're going to actually be their partner and stuff, then they got to be unmarried. Yeah. If this you don't want to just, this isn't like a type calculator. It's like a, this is my this ideal is partner the, calculator. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, no. Well, yeah, this is women saying this is all, everything I want in a man. And then okay. it shows them what percent of the population is actually. So what their chances are of me right. that. Yeah. So for instance, let's say. Let's say six foot, six figures, six inches. Okay, but I'm also going to say... <laughs> six, six, six. For age, like, this is just a, like... Sh- I'm going to shoot a little high so that people understand. But let's go like, say... Go like 18 to 35. I'm saying 25 to 35 as the age range because, like, you know, let's assume that our female in this case is somewhere between, like, you know, 21 and, like, 26, most of the time, they kind of want to shoot for that range of, like, 
25 to 35. They might go down, they might go up, but they're not going to mm. go like for anything crazy. Like they're not going to be dating old men. Okay. Let's exclude married. Uh, any race, any color, any shade, whatever. Minimum height, six foot. Do we want to exclude obese? Yes. Yeah. Exclude obese. No fatties. Minimum income. Uh, 100k a year. Yeah, I mean, dude, that's what they're going like, to... I promise that's, you, that's what that's, most women expect. That's what most women I that I've talked to at least want, but I don't think that's like a deal breaker for most. But Well, I don't think it's so much about the exact number. It's but about the it, comfort it represents of living. security. Yeah. If you're making 100k a year, you can take care of her comfortably. All right, so not married, any race, at least six feet tall, not obese... And obese. It's obese. I know, I know. And earning at least a hundred thousand dollars a year is point zero four two percent of the population. Um, and that's based on statistical data um from the census. And the delusion score is four out of five, and it says this woman is a cat enthusiast. Wow. I'm gonna see. So you. basically, the world is just full of losers. Yeah, <laughs> get your bread up, that. dude. Get your bread <laughs> up. All right, let's do twenty-five to forty. Any race or shade. Well, okay. Well, real quick, what do you guys think the average salary of a man in the U.S. is? I'd be surprised I'll if thirty k more than thirty k. Okay, this is thirty-eight thousand. Okay. Okay, so I backed it down to sixty k a year. Not obese. Six foot, any race, 25 to 40. So gold digger status. Okay, Even what you, then. What do you that, think average height is for men? Five, eight. Okay. So even with ages 25 to 40, not married, at least six foot tall, not obese, earning 60 a year, it's 1.3% of the population. So basically, we represent like eighty <laughs> percent. Like we we'd be in the eightieth percentile, ninetieth, ninetieth borderline. Yeah, I think so. we're Jeez. six we're six foot tall. Here, actually, let me just do the calculation. We can literally calculate. Yeah, let's calculate ourselves. <laughs> yeah. So literally, I'm twenty five. So I'm going for it'll only let me go down to twenty five to thirty. But okay, so average height for men twenty years and older is. Five nine, okay, sixty nine inches, average dick size. Got to do that. <laughs> that's not in here. Not be I don't think that's reported. Oh, no, no, no. I don't. Think, oh, is he using the same program? So you, all three of us are. Well, that is like that's well known like data. Like, yeah, but yeah, men's you average. don't report that on the census. Oh yeah, that's true. So it can't. But I'm saying like clinical trials and like stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, I mean yeah. the average I think is what five inches. That's something like. But that. regardless, uh, I think it's five and a half. Just actually. based on height, race, not <laughs> obese. That a dick size feature to that. <laughs> <laughs> but we're point zero three seven percent of the population. Point zero three seven. Zero point three seven. Zero point three seven. Okay. So less than one percent. Which, if you multiply 300 million times point three seven, 
percent. Sorry, three hundred million times point zero zero three four. There's like out divide of that by two. Yeah, divide that by two. Because you know half the population. So there's five hundred thousand of us for a hundred and fifty million females. Hmm. Is there a male delusion calculator? Let's pull that shit. There's gotta be. Let me see. Male delusion calculator? Mm-hmm. Also, the uh, URL for the female one is igotstandardsbro.com. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty interesting. It just, it, it does actually kind of open your eyes to the fact that. All right. I feel like women, like I kind of used to think this more, but I always was like, I always just kind of got the vibe that women weren't so much into looks it as says, they were into like personality and just other like safety, feeling safe, stuff like that. But it, it, from this, it sounds like, I mean, women are probably just as like physically judgmental as men are. Like men want a hot girlfriend. All know? right. Women want someone who's over six feet. So literally in general, the standards, at least of men in my experience is I don't really care that much about height. I wouldn't really want a midget, but that's pretty much all I what, care for about. a female. Yeah. Mm. Uh, exclude obese, but overweight is such a like if you actually look at the BMI, there's a lot of people who are quote unquote overweight, but they just have massive titties. So like, I don't care about overweight, just no obese minimum income. I don't give a fuck about female income. Um, any race exclude married. Are we excluding mothers? No. Because I don't really want to take care of someone else's kids. Yeah. So I mean, what's would, would, I, would I mess around with a mom? But is it someone that you'd settle down with? Maybe not. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I, this is, I think, what a really We're looking funny at YouTube show I watch. 24% of the population. I'm not going to lie. The mom I'm talking to right now, I'd, I'd actually consider settling down with her. So Have you mm. met the kids yet? No, but okay, she wants me to. But so, also, I don't want to like, oh, I just, that's... Literally, look at this. It says there's 24% of the population that fits into that. And it says reality prescription. One one out of five red pills. Easy to please. I'm going to go through and not exclude mothers. Now we just need a formula that takes the data from that and the female delusion calculator and puts those numbers together. If you don't exclude mothers, you're up to 37%. And that's 14... Million five hundred seventy thousand women in America that what are your ideal. What was the age range you put? Uh, I put eighteen to thirty-five because that's probably the dating range that because I'm anything not dating, I probably wouldn't even date a chick that was much older than me. I would. Well, you have mommy issues. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, make make them not moms and make them younger. I definitely, my age or younger. Okay, so no, I, I generally I would agree with that. The your girl, age or younger? Mm-hmm. And you're what? You're 25. Yeah, okay. they're 20. I'm gonna wait, put one no, year over you because you okay. date someone who's a year older than you, don't you think? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exclude mothers. Same everything else across the board. I mean, they could be as much as th- two to three years older. Wait, I, will. I don't think f- that'd be as big a problem. I said, ex- wait. Your percentage. On the other side, would you date an 18-year-old? You have a 38% chance of finding a woman in those characteristics. 
within that age range. So what what was it again? Break it down for me. What did I agree to? Not married, no children, any race, between five foot and six, not obese, any income. Okay, she's got to be between five three. No, sorry, five two. <laughs> she's and, five uh, one. He's nah. trying not to accidentally nix his girlfriend from dating him. Yeah, no, she's got to be between five two and five. Um, Nine. five seven. Five, I will seven. say I would never date. Exclude a tall overweight. Girl. Yeah, exclude overweight. I like tall girls. I don't lie. You're still at fourteen percent. I like looking at them. I don't like dating them. I mean, it's still. It's still pretty high. All right, she's gonna make. She's gotta make fifty thousand. No, she's gotta make thirty thousand. I think that's what really, really limits this. If I had to guess, you said how much? Thirty. Thirty. She's gotta make. She's gotta be able to like work. A job that brought your percentage down to six percent, but there's still a million girls. These bitches are broke. <laughs> <laughs> it still says you're down to earth. You only have two out of five red pills. I think I'd probably hit like a solid four red pills, to be honest. Okay, let's see it. Okay. <laughs> what do you want? Let's do eighteen to fuck it, thirty-two. I guess. Thirty-two. 18 is hard because it's like married and mothers. Actually, no? yeah, you know what? Bumped it up to 20. Because 18 yeah. to 20? No, 20 to 32. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. Exclude mothers and married or no? Exclude married. You're going all the way up to 32. Mm hmm. Okay. Any race? Mm hmm. Height preference? Um, anything under 5'9. But taller than, but not midget, neither. So like down to what four five two. Let's just call it like four ten. Okay, four ten. Exclude a chick under five foot. Wait, what? You date a chick under five foot? Duh. That just means she's already at dick height. Oh my god. um, Exclude overweight or obese. Uh yeah, both. Both. Yeah. Okay. Minimum income preference. Minimum, um, 25k a year. Okay. Calculating. 8.7%. You're still down to earth, and there's 2.5 million women in the United States. How many red pills did I get? Two out of five. You're still down to earth. I'll take it. Yeah, like, would I want to date a chick who currently can't provide for herself, and she's already 23 or something? Yeah. I not, mean, not but, super. But theoretically, the nice thing about being uh, a woman, and this is going to sound worse than I mean it to, but if you're pretty, you can get away with not having any of your own income and having kids. Yeah, I do think there's this weird moment, like dating in your early 20s, super hard as a guy. Because you're, you're with all these women who just hit their peak. Like, yeah. You know, Peak eligibility as far as, like, they're at the most attractive they'll ever be. They're not married. They might be straight out of school, so they might have, like, a degree or something. No, the competition is just insane for you. And, yeah, it's like yeah. you've got to compete with 30-year-old men. Yeah. Because a yeah. 23-year-old woman but straight also, out of college, like, she'll go men, date a college. Like. Men don't really hit their peak until, like, they're 60. Like, that's when it that starts going true. down. That's no, because you... you Gray hair is considered kids, attractive. 
Dude, yeah, you can I, you can spray calm until you're. I 80. think you have to you have no, to define you have to define like your what peak means peak sexually if, sexually appealing peak maybe? potentially because gray hair is not a turnoff for the for girls. I like would, how many eighty year that, old dudes do you know who are rolling around with like a twenty year old piece of eye candy? I I totally disagree. I imagine you hit your peak. I think that has to do with money more than anything though. Your mid thirties for a, a guy. I would say third. Mid thirties to forty, but I'm saying if you think 40s. about because your mid thirties you're probably earning. Well, but that's probably your the sexual most you peak. But like, think about guys who have been stacking bread their whole life. So they're in their sixties. They got a little bit of gray hair. They got the beard thing going. They're still well dressed. They're still pretty much in shape. Yeah, like, but like those are 30, all factors you can control. But thirty five, your physical abilities have not mm-hmm. been in decline. Sixty, like I, I honestly think you know, I, I, get what, I get what. But ben what I'm is saying, saying over is here, we actually have that, control. Yeah, but I think that what you're getting at is it mostly has to do with financial status at that age. Yeah, so what I'm saying is you so. could be, like, if you think about it, a lot of females would want stability over almost anything. Well, yeah, I mean, you, like, I've heard this. You ask, women ask each other, they just met a new man, right? Yeah. You're starting to date a guy. What's his First job? First thing they ask is, what does he do? Right. Men, I say I'm dating a new gal. You guys say, what does she look like? Exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, and I don't even think that's gender roles or any crap. Like, I don't think that's because of a patriarchy or anything. I think that's genuine biology. But I'm not a scientist. Yeah, I think we do a lot of work to deceive ourselves that we're more sophisticated or we aren't bound by our biology and stuff, but... At the end of the day, like most women, they date across and up. Yeah. They date men who are as educated or better educated than them. Mm-hmm. They date men that are taller than them. They date men that can provide more than they can or make more financially. Yeah. One of the leading causes of divorce is going to be if a man un- under earns his partner. Right. If yeah. she feels like she's basically providing for a toddler at home, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's the interesting thing, I suppose, is that... Um, Dude, you want to make yourself like an impossibly hard woman to tie down, go get a doctorate, go, you know, make more than 180,000 a year. Go do what a man is supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> be, be the partner at a high performing law firm. Pursue your career until you're in your 30s. Well, you don't even have to be a partner. You could just be an underling and still you'd probably land the whale who actually runs the firm. No, that might be the only one who's eligible enough to date you, who yeah. can command your interest. And yeah. he's probably already married. Yeah. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. You've limited your pool to a very select group of men who have to be extremely high-performing and unmarried. Yeah. It could bring so into question, luck. though, maybe a, a woman of that status, maybe she she wants to be the top dog in the relationship and she's actually attracted to someone but, but who's we, under her. Evidence points that she's not, though. I mean, evidence does, but I'm just saying that there's... there's... There are a minority of women who might be okay with that dynamic. Yeah. Well, and that's why there's obviously a lot of women who just decided, I don't want to have a family. I don't want to get married. I want to be single and rich. Well, and that's that's what, like, society's pushing on women right now. Well, it's one way of effectively controlling birth rates, but... I mean, who's going to college? It's women. 
sixty percent of college enrollment is women. It's not men. Because you go to college and you learn that you're a piece of shit for doing nothing and just being a man. I would also say that women are probably more plugged in socially than men are, and I think that that probably is a huge influence on them going to college. Because I think college is pretty much that at this point. Yeah, it's just a social club. Literally every girl I talk to, I mean, they could go to BSU. That's most of them. But even in Florida, it was the same way. It's all psychology degrees. It's all communications degrees. It's just like, I don't know what I'm really doing here. So I'm just going to kind of just do like the base level, maybe figure it out as I go. And they're right. But then that's where they're going to meet a bunch of high performing men. Exactly. Yeah. So them being in college isn't actually them isn't pointing to the fact that they're going to be rich and successful when they grow up. It's just, it, I think it points to the fact that they're there for other reasons besides trying to be rich and successful. Yeah. I mean, but I think at the end of the day, the evidence points like the majority of the evidence points to the fact that women want to be dominated by men. I will say most the, the four top porn searches for women are pirate CEO Robber. No, it's like pirate CEO, um, serial killer wolf, and uh, vampire. Yeah, those are the top. So it's a a power dynamic, but with some mysticism thrown in, so it feels a little bit less anti-feminist. Well, it it might be that, but it also might just be complete fantasy. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like if that's women's sexual fantasies and who they're looking for, then yeah. But like the the main the common theme that runs in all of those is the fact that. She's being dominated. She's submitting to someone. Well, and they're men who they're able to tame. Like these high-performing men that they're then able to rein in. This is what I'll say, too, is like, I think women are capable of everything, almost everything, at least like as far as career and all that, that men are. Like, obviously, there's physical limitations, so they're not necessarily... Like, there are women who are stronger than me, a lot of them. Yeah, but there's not a lot of there aren't a lot of women who are just dominating oil rigs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's why like those hard um industries are male dominated, but what I was going to say is like women are capable of almost everything men are if not everything men are intellectually, probably more, and, I would say. Yeah, for sure. But they shouldn't have to be, if that makes sense. Like a single mother yeah. can make a great life. I think the thing but with that is she shouldn't have to. I if think that makes I sense. think the thing with with the whole intellectual capabilities side of it, I do think I will say I think women could dominate men intellectually just across the board. Like if I we're think doing, if women didn't tear each other apart, they'd yeah, run the world. It, it, but it women could be are that, so but jealous if we're looking of each other. at the statistics of it, I think that women would actually win in that category. But I think that the reason they don't is because innately how they're set up, they're not they're not the ones who are gonna go chase the bag necessarily. Yeah. They might have the capabilities to, but they're not that like desire to go. Well, to go they shouldn't win. have to. They you shouldn't have I mean? to, I That's agree. That's the male gender. No, they shouldn't have to, but I'm saying like they're born knowing that they shouldn't have to, which yeah. is why they don't. Yeah. You know, it's um, a biological thing. I like the way I think Jordan Peterson puts it where, um, disparities on the end of statistical curves are the like biggest reason for what he thinks are, you know, the differences you see among occupations with men and women. So it's like, 
there's only a tiny minority of men who are willing to forego everything, work 100-hour weeks, and rise to the top of a dominance hierarchy inside mm-hmm. of a company. It's like there's only a tiny, tiny minority of men that are even that driven to do that. To, like, become a CEO or something. Mm-hmm. And then there are even fewer women yeah. who are yeah. as high in conscientiousness, as high in, like, industriousness, and are going to pursue, you know, everything at the cost of their entire life. Right. What do we think? What do we think the driving force is for men? Do we think it's pussy? Like, is the reason that you want to go make money or that you want, obviously you want to have a good life for yourself. That's kind of a given, but anything extra from that is, is the driving force. I'm not going to lie. Like I do want success for me, but I want success also so I can like lavish my girlfriend. But would you say you also want success to, let's say you didn't have a girlfriend. Would it to be attract? Yeah. To attract other women. I I go to the gym for me, but I also go to the gym to look good for women. I think part of the driving force for men is just you want to reproduce and you want to provide for your children. Mm-hmm. And the key, the gatekeeper in doing that is finding a good woman. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I like it's weird, but there is a big part of me that cares that my my son or daughter after me has some good genes. Because <laughs> like physically. Yeah. Or so mentally. I'm trying to find a, a both. Okay. Because, like, I mean, my parents, I'd say, are both pretty attractive people, and they passed on intelligence, too, because they're both very intelligent. Like, I want to be able to afford my kid the same opportunities that come with being pretty and um, intelligent. Mm-hmm. But um, hopefully we can gene edit out the ADHD at that point. Cause... Just get him on the Addies. He'll be good. <laughs> Just get him chomping from a young age. <laughs> When he comes out the womb, just you go. No, if my son's smart at all, he'll be getting his prescription every week. Figure out how to exist without it and selling it. (laughs) That is is an interesting like thing. Like when you think about having kids, and like they do some like bad shit. Like let's say they like you find weed in their sock drawer or something, but then you go through their phone and you realize they're like on Snapchat and they have a whole business going and they're like just you know, out here just selling weed to people. Are you mad about that? Probably. Are you going to talk to them? Yes. But also like, I'm going to try to get him into forex at that point. Down, you're also like, wow, he's such a little entrepreneur. I love that. <laughs> well, and honestly, by the time that just we're, be parent, take on it, like, the time we're be... parents, selling weed is probably going to be like selling candy. You know what I mean? Yeah, it could be. I don't know. But there's a, there's a weird little like dichotomy there. If that's even the word. Um, of just like juxtaposition, juxtaposition. Yeah, you're you're mm, good ten cent word. You're mad about it, I guess, and or it's it's not so much that I wouldn't even be mad. I would just be like my role as a parent. Should I be an investor? I'd be like, all right, we're gonna take the same exact model, but we're gonna put it into something more constructive. Yeah. So what can you sell? Oh, you want to do drop shipping? Hell yeah, I'll be your first investor. (laughs) Yo, you want to do crypto? Forex? Go kill yourself. NFTs? (laughs) NFTs? Okay. You know what? There's the door. Here's your bag. Get the fuck out of my house. (laughs) Can you... uh... Oh, is that just ringing the headphones? Oh, yeah, I think so. Okay. I was like, bruh, I muted my... Yeah, I was really confused there. Nobody kept coming through, and I was like, I thought we shut that shit down. We did. Oh, well. But, say la vie, I guess. 
I'll just give a little uh, little personal story here. Basically, right now, I'm actually uh, I'm talking to a woman, not a girl. She's a woman. And she is, I believe she's 32 years old. And it's the first time I've ever talked to someone who's actually, I mean, I, I had an ex who was a year older than me, but someone significantly older than me. Mm-hmm. And um, my main thing that I'm trying to figure out is, am I just overly, I don't want to say mature, but am I more mature for my age than most people my age? Or is she immature for her age? And we're kind of meeting in the middle. Or is age just a number? And if you have a connection with someone, you have a connection with someone. I do wonder, like, my problem with dating someone older than me is I think it didn't, wouldn't matter how well we get along or how, like, perfect it could have been as a relationship partner. There's a big piece of me that would always be like, I can't build a future around you. I'm not, I don't want to, like, start kids with you. And then, you know, you're so much older that like our, our experience at our kids graduation is way different where you can barely get around or something. And I'm, well, I'm also okay. from a purely utilitarian standpoint, like your baby mama probably has like what? five more effective birth years before it starts getting into the realm of like there could be complications yeah what, it becomes way, yeah, yeah no, 30, 40 is dangerous to, to have 35 kids if you don't to want. 40 is like kind of the, no, the I, I get end of that parabola my mom had she had me when she was 42 i believe that explains, explains so it. much <laughs> <laughs> my mom, my mom had me myself. at 40 Fuck. right like, yeah and I'm not saying I'm screwed up because of it, but it it was interesting. Like my mom had me at 40 and that did mean that because my grandfather had my dad at 40, he was 80 when I was born. Yep. Yeah. So so it was like grandparents. I was not a picture. Yeah. And I think he he passed away before I was born. And also probably your cousins are way older than you. Way, way older. Yeah. We have like the exact same situation. That yeah. sucks because like growing up, my cousins were and still are my best friends. Yeah, I, it was never like that. My cousins could be my parents. That yeah, no, I mean yeah. we stayed with one of your cousins mm-hmm. in Denver. He's like, yeah, he's I mean, an old still, man. Yeah, they're still cool and stuff. He's like but a dad. They they yeah they they're old enough to be my dad. Yeah, basically. Yeah, like sometimes the friends who I remember growing up with at family reunions, it would be like my grandfather's brother had a son, and then. He had kids, and now they have kids, and those kids are my age. That's so insane. it's it's like two generations removed or something. And mm-hmm. you know, if my grandfather was still alive, he'd be 104. So there's yeah. something neat where you know. No, I was... like the idea of my kids knowing my parents. So yeah, I think there's pros and cons to that whole dynamic. I will say it is kind of shitty to have cousins who are like full ass adults by the time you're like just becoming a teenager mm-hmm. you know but also at the same time i've talked to some people about this but like my parents are both i think they're they're both 68 now they're the same age i think that contributes to why you were saying you feel like you might be more mature for your age you probably that's, grew that's, up that's with the, your... that's the pro that i'm talking about is and i'm not gonna sit here and be like oh i'm so so mature or whatever but i do think that you learn 
I definitely was raised in a more, you could say, old fashioned sense compared to someone whose parents had them when they were 19 or 20, you know? Oh, yeah. 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 Like my friend, Michael, he's 19 or no, his parents were 21 when they had him and their parents were 19 when they had Michael's dad. Yeah. So he has a grandfather who's a year younger than my dad. That's, yeah. That's oh, wild. wow. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, that's also, I guess, another interesting thing. Well, think, think right like, now, too. Think about you, parenting styles of parents who had kids at 35 versus 20 and think about how their kids turned out. Like, I think a lot of young parents are, like, too bro-y with their kids. You know sure. what I mean? Oh, yeah. And yeah. that's what I mean. Like, think about the difference. My dad's 40 has me. He's 50 when I, like start to understand his instructions and stuff yeah. and the way he's coaching me up and how I go about my life. He's in his late fifties when I'm graduating high school, mm -hmm. the time that I'm supposed to be like becoming a man, he's, you know, somebody who's 58 and he's, he's retiring. He's, he's in a sunset <laughs> sort of. And, and then the other th alternative is think about Mike's dad where it's like, he is, He's what entering eighteen years old, and his dad is in his forties. So his dad is as old as mine when my dad had me. Your dad could be his dad's dad. Yeah, my yeah, parents yeah. had me when they were like in their mid thirties. I think my parents got had me when they were like thirty four or five. That's kind of a nice zone. I, I think, think that prime age is a good 30. zone to have your last kid. Yeah, like thirty is a good thirty to thirty five is the the baby making years. Like, I those think. are the years where, like, you've already got some semblance of a life figured out. You aren't going to be, like, too bro -y with your kid. But you're I might also... even say late 20s could work, too. Oh, yeah. just think about the yeah. gap in wisdom, right? Your dad's 40 and you're 18 yeah. versus my dad is 58. Mm -hmm. And I'm, or, yeah, about there. Like, you know, the gap in wisdom is huge. Mm -hmm. Imagine no, being 20 years older and you have your kid. Like yeah, how no. much more wisdom you have versus you've got a one-year-old right now. Right. And I think one of the cons of having older parents is the fact that it's just another extreme. It's, it's a same, it's similar to the other extreme of your, your friend, Michael, whose dad was, you know, 18 when he had him, he's super bro -y with his kid, right? Our dad's not that way at all. They're like, you know, they, they don't, I'm not, I don't look as my, at my dad as a friend. I've never looked at that. Yeah. I, I distinctly have, remember my dad looked at me and said, I'm not your friend. I'm your father. Yeah. No, and my I've, dad used to say that all the time. Yeah. And I know people who it's the complete opposite. Like they're, that's, that's, you know, like their dad, their mom, whoever, that's like who they confide in with like the most deepest personal shit. And I'm like, I could never do that with my parents, bro. Like they, first of all, they don't think they would understand what's going on just because the gap is so big mm. when they were my age that was in the, the 80s the 70s or 80s so much has changed mm. there's so many different issues kind of going around now that's that but also it's like i i i don't even think i'd want like it'd feel weird like when i when i see my friend's parents act all like broy with them or whatever it like actually kind of creeps me out mm. i'm like this is not how it should be but i think it should be right in the middle it should just be balanced you know yeah, and the nice thing about getting older, like your early 20s, is you kind of befriend your parents as an adult. Because yeah. you've got enough of your own life that they weren't constantly present for. That yeah. Now you're able to share experiences and stories with them that maybe they didn't, they did not experience with you. And yeah. they might learn from some of the stuff you've gone through. Now, you, now I get a beer with my dad. 
Yeah, yeah. It's like it's kind of fun, you know. It's cool to go and you know, like you make your parents laugh, or you can buy them like a gift that I don't know is something only an adult would be able to provide right. for their. But you've earned that because you've you know it's kind of like a rite of passage sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's that's an interesting that's an interesting discussion. Can't wait to buy my dad a gun. <laughs> I'm curious, Bill, what, like, what was your parents' path in life? What did they do for work and stuff? Um, so my mom, my mom, she, uh, she went to school. I'm not, I don't, I don't know what degree she got. I think she did communications actually. Um, but she became a massage therapist. So that was like her, her job when okay. I was growing up. And then my dad, he did, uh, I mean, you, you know, my dad kind of, you've, He's, have you I've met, met him before? A handful okay. times, yeah. Yeah, he's he's definitely an interesting kind of guy. He, I think he went to school, he got a history degree, so I think he wanted to be like a professor somewhere. I think that's what he should have done, because he's like super smart, at least when it comes to history, like he just knows his shit. Yeah. But instead he decided to, um, he started like a, a, a business, I guess. It's like a label business for like vitamin labels or something. He'd like print them, print them off for people or design them kind of graphic design. So he did that for a while. I think he sold it to someone. Um, and then, yeah, my parents got divorced. I think when I was 14 and then my dad ended up, he was kind of out of the picture for a couple years. He was like in Nebraska taking care of his dad, stuff like that. But my, the main thing with my parents, I would say, is, like, they're just, they're, I, I love them, obviously. They're really, they're, they're dope people, but also, like, they just grew up in a different time, mm-hmm. you know? Like, if I come to them and I talk to them about certain things, they have no idea. They have, like, no clue about, like, what to even, how to even respond to what I'm saying yeah. for a lot of stuff. So, like, that's been one of the things I've been trying to kind of work with have and you figure found- out. They're like, did you find mentors in like their forties, fifties Yeah, where they're kind of like, they bridge the gap? Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. There was a, there was a couple of people like at, um, there was like a youth group that I, I went to and there was like this one dude named Jerry who I was like pretty close with. Um, and that was actually, that was something my mom like was really stressing on me when I was like growing up. Cause my dad is like he's just, he's crazy as fuck. Like, he's just not, he's not like a, I wouldn't say he's not a good role model necessarily, but he's a narcissist for sure. Yeah. He just, he has, he has some issues. And so like, he's definitely not someone you'd want to just decide to emulate, I guess. Mm-hmm. But no, there was, there was definitely a period of time where I kind of, you know, I was, I needed that and I, I did find it in certain areas, but I think the main thing too is like, Obviously, I'm not perfect, and I'm still, like, growing up and learning and or whatever, but, like, I think the best thing you can do for yourself, yeah, it's really good to have role models. It's really good to have people in your life saying, you know, hey, this is kind of how you should act, carry yourself, whatever, especially if you're a man. I think that that's really important, but at the end of the day, you kind of just have to become that person for yourself. I think that that's a thing that people don't, like, hear enough. No role models to speak of. Searching through my memory, my memory, I couldn't find one. Yeah. Like Last you, night, I was getting my feet rubbed. You just, you, you gotta like, you, you gotta, I think it, it, it's like a, it's a situation where you need both. So you, it is really important to have role models, but you also have to. You like, can't like 
you have to become like autonomous over yourself and just be like, okay, you know what? Like I'm going to be my own parent in a sense. Yeah. You can't outsource being a man to your role models, but having role models helps you find out how to be a man. Yeah. But that is one thing I think about when I like think about the thought of having kids and stuff. It's like, you know, you just, you, you obviously you can't control anything that happens because those are their own humans. They get to decide whatever they want to do. I would never be a helicopter parent, but also at the same time, like I'm going to, when I think about how I raise my kids, I'm going to be like, you know what? I tried my best. I didn't, if I didn't do a good job, fuck it. It doesn't matter. As long as I tried to do my best, that's all I care about, you know? Mm. And I think it just, it all, it really just depends. I think it has a lot to do with just leading by example. So you have to have your own life together in order to successfully raise kids, I think. Yeah. You know? Do you feel like having grandparents, I I wonder if you relate to this, because for me, not knowing my grandparents growing up forced me to kind of dive deeper, I think, on my own time in learning Mm -hmm. what their life would have been like. Mm -hmm. And so I spent a lot of time, I knew they were both um, tank, like my grandfather and great uncle that were twins. They were both born on Armistice Day. So that was... 1918, November 11th. Mm-hmm. And, and that was wait, your, your grandpa or your great-grandpa? My grandpa. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Born Armistice Day. So, like, right as World War One ended, that mm-hmm. specific day is when he was born. Damn. And um, it meant That's that he cool. was the right age. So, when he and his brother were, like, when World War Two came, mm-hmm. they were both privates and they um, rolled with Patton, basically, in yeah. the Third Army group. And so, the... the went through Europe. They have photos of like going and driving through random towns in France and Mm -hmm. stuff. And seeing those pictures, I was like, Oh shit. Like now I want to watch Saving Private Ryan. I want to learn what all this was about. And I've probably dedicated thousands of hours to just like studying random shit about world war two and just history in general. Their lives are just like world war two. I think it, I I understood that there was only going to be so much I could learn from like hearing accounts of relatives and stuff about who they were. And so I wanted to understand probably better the generational differences between like who my parents' parents were and then why it was the case that like my dad acted a certain way or what he must've been raised and learned to do. So it's like, I just everything Americana then became exciting for me because it was kind of like uncovering reasons that my life was the way it was. Yeah. Understanding like, Oh, my, my parents are products of coming of age in the late seventies. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like high school class of 76. And so if I went really, and watched that was films, my dad's graduating class too. Oh really? Yeah. 76. Yeah. Yeah. So just like, Oh, if I want to watch like movies and what shit. Year about, were your, was, was your dad born? 58. 57. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty crazy. Um, Zam. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I actually got a chance to know. Um, my paternal grandmother, she died when I was like two, so I barely knew her. Um, but actually both my grandpas were both in world war two as well. My dad's dad, they both came from nothing. My dad's dad literally had to fake his physical to get in the Navy to actually have a shot at life Mm -hmm. to even go somewhere. And so he got in, he did, he was in the Navy. My other grandpa, I'm pretty sure he was in the army or Marine Corps, something like that. I don't even know if the Marine Corps was around. Marine Corps didn't exist till after World War II, right? 
Because no. it used to just be a detachment. Or was that the Air Force? Air Force was uh, yeah, the Air Force Army was... Air Group until after World War II, oh, okay. in my understanding. But the Marine Corps was around. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think he was in the Marine Corps. That's what I was getting. The Marines, confused. yeah, they fought the Battle of Iwo Jima. They... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's even another, like, weird dynamic to think about is, like, those dudes, like, just, they came from nothing. Both of them didn't have dads. They were both in families of, like, eight kids, mm. you know? Like, they literally, like, their lives were, like, they were pretty much set up for failure, kind of. I mean, and this is, I, my grandpa was born, I think, in... 23 or four or something like that. I think they were both around the same age. Yeah. But like, it's, it's a weird dynamic because yeah, then they have kids, their kids are boomers, their kids grow up, you know, they end up do, they, they do become successful. So then their kids grow up, you know, going to the country club, all this stuff, just complete opposites to how they grew up. Oh yeah. And then their kids have kids and you know, it's kind of sort of similar. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, it's not like I grew up going to the country club or anything, but they paid for me to go to Am. Like my parents did not, weren't able to afford that. So my grandparents paid for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it's like, it's, I did get a chance to kind of meet with them, but my main regret is like, I was just so young when I knew them. So it wasn't, I kind of just like, you know, like I'd see them and I'd be like, Oh, those are my grandparents. whoop de doo Not a big deal. But, you know, if I, if I had the chance to, you know, like be who I am now and then go back and talk to them, yeah, I'd be like, I, first of all, I'd probably set up like a camera and like a, something like this, like a recording studio or something and just like get their life story on record. Yeah. That's actually something I did with, um, my grandfather right before he, uh, right before he got vaccinated and then had his stroke. Yeah. Um, but they ended up using it in his uh, recovery process to kind of try to, like, to like remind his memory. Him of, yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm planning on doing the same thing for my grandma on my mother's side, and then in a couple months planning on doing the same thing for my grandfather uh, on my dad's side. My dad's mom, unfortunately, died when I was really young. But no, I, take it from us. Like, no, but you the need upshot to get that shit out of the losing way. a grandma that early is I realized that like all of my time with my grandparents could be and probably was pretty rare. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, so. this, this is something that kind of angered me as a middle schooler was uh, one of my uncles passed away and I barely got to see him because they live across the country and it was like someone who was closely related it's like it's my dad's brother and i barely knew him and Mm -hmm. it really made me upset because his passing didn't like hurt me as much as i wish it had Mm -hmm. because of the fact that i essentially was a stranger to me right and the same thing i felt that could have been on purpose did you have a good relationship with your dad he did yeah no they they all got along very well. It was just okay. hard for us to take three kids and go back East every yeah, so yeah. often. So, yeah. and I was still pretty young, you know, it's like, I, I couldn't have only known him so well at 14 anyway. Right. Yeah. Um, cause had we traveled back and I'm sure I did meet him when I was younger. I have vague memories of him, um, that are personal, but everything now is like, shit. Now I just have to learn about him from my friends and from secondhand accounts. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. With my grandparents, I was always like, did you guys like, did they ever tell you their stories about, you know, rolling with Patton in world war two and right. doing all that. Right. 
well, like most men of their generation, they, you know, they didn't talk about the war at all. Right. And it, it pissed me off in ways because it was like, well, I just lost my familial firsthand account of mm-hmm. the most important event of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. So as much as I'm like, oh yeah, I'm sure it would have been hard to have them talk about it. Like I wish somebody had just pried out their firsthand accounts a little bit and recorded them. Yeah. But none of that exists. And it's the same thing. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a video of my grandfather. Yeah. I have no idea what it was like for him to go walking around and doing things. Mm -hmm. No, that's Um, the cool thing about today's age, though, is like I have 4K recordings of my grandfather with high quality microphones. So for um, now, until computers stop working, we're going to have a copy of that that we can show. Yeah. I think the preservation of familial members is like something it's probably one of the greatest gifts you could give is like to yeah. sit down and record For two sure. hours with your we did father, eight with but, my grandfather right and just and but be purposeful about it too yeah not just like oh let's all hop on a mic and hear him talk about his no, current issues with like pepto-bismol and stuff yeah. it's like no i want to hear like have him paint a picture of the life that he i think you kind of you have to like carry that feeling though into your friendships relationships I mean, yes but also honestly. specifically your parents because when you have kids those kids they might not have all the same interests as you because you have to realize like a, like even if your grandparents weren't involved in world war ii and all that you probably have sort of an aptitude for history and that's something that you're just naturally interested in right mm-hmm. it also happens that your grandpas both were like in that in that like reality at that yeah. time so that's really cool, but you have to realize too, I'll have kids. My parents have a way of, you know, perceiving the world that's interesting to me, but to my kids, that will be like very, that, that'll be something that if you instill in them, that that is something that's worthwhile, then they will, they will appreciate you taking into account yeah. what your parents did. You right. know what I mean? Like, like you just, you, you want to understand what your, why your dad's the way he is. It's like, yeah. it probably helped to understand who his parents were. How exactly. long do you yeah. think it is until we can back up humans to computers and basically have them perpetually alive via AI? Not long. Like some black mirror shit. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, theoretically, once we figure out how memory and the brain works, and it's... The brain works on electronic signals Mm -hmm. and chemical reactions. No, it's an organic computer. So, like, at some point, we're going to figure out how to make digital computers... Well, imagine this. ...communicate with... Combine chat GPT. Yeah. Like, take somebody who's well-documented. It's like Joe Biden right now. It's like... Tell ChatGPT to write you a story in the style of Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then and then maybe emulate it'll do the it. voice and emulate the video of him. I'm sure at this point there's enough technology. I think the key probably just to figuring out is like... So like take all the data harvesting that's been done on yourself. Yeah, yeah. Upload it to an AI and then tell the AI... That would actually be really interesting. Write a story in the style of myself. Like everything I've ever written, everything that's ever been recorded of me, all the photos and videos, and just basically take that, create something, and now my great great grandkids can go back and they can play with a, you know, a synthetic but somewhat similar version of me. But we're not too far off from digital and uh, biological computers interfacing because, you know, Elon Musk has been trying to. Do that whole computer chip with uh, Neuralink. chimps, Neuralink. Yeah. Like, 
at some point you theoretically will be able to back up a brain to a hard drive or a disk or something. Mm-hmm. I wonder how many gigabytes or terabytes of information when it comes our brains to that are capable of storing. Like, of technology, though, I kind of just think about like. I don't know. It makes me think about like the how like religion or Christianity kind of plays a part in that. Because I'll say that I wouldn't say I'm like a by the book Christian or whatever, but I would say that I I do I do believe in God, and I think that I guess my interpretation of it would be everything that's like natural or whatever that's like that that God consciously decided to like create create and yeah. put it there. AI technology, I don't think that that's If the man same. was made in God's image and AI is made in man's image and man is already a fallen object, it'll be interesting to see what sort of um, fallacies and errors are built into AI because we're already flawed systems as it is. But um, quick question. Mm-hmm. If you guys had to take a guess, how many gigabytes of memory does your brain have? 12 terabytes. 12 terabytes? What about What's you? What's the gigabyte to terabyte ratio? Uh, I think 1,000 to 1. It's 1,000 gigabytes in a terabyte, 1,000 megabytes in a gigabyte. And Is like, there anything bigger than terabyte? Yeah, there's like petabytes, which is million gigabytes. So 1,000 or 10,000 terabytes? That's your guess? 10,000 No, I'm terab- saying 10,000 terabytes in one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll say I'll say uh 50 terabytes. 50 terabytes and you said how much? Uh like 12 or something. 12 terabytes. 2.5 million gigabytes of memory storage in your brain. That's equal to 2.5 or 2.5 petabytes. Which what's the terabyte though? Uh uh so petabyte means 1000 terabytes 1,024 terabytes or a million so so it's like three decimal places yeah so it's it's basically 2.5 25 so it's like 2,500 terabytes so we said like 10 percent and it's actually or one percent yeah yeah Hmm. so a lot so i guess the real question of when you can back up a human brain feasibly but would that be only backing up 10% 10% of our brain that we actually use or would that be backing up 100% of the no, brain? No, that's just your brain's memory capacity, not mm. its processing capacity. Okay. So, so we basically have infinite memory capacity. Theoretically, but what I was going to say is like I think the limiting factor at this point is probably one, the neural link, like how do you actually transfer that into digital information, but two, obviously there's a huge limitation from memory storage because... It's not feasible for us to go to the store and be like, I want to back up my grandfather's brain before he dies because that would require an entire room full of hard drives. Yeah. It's weird to think, though, like 50 years ago, it required what we have right now is a laptop. The equivalent of that 50 years ago was a room full of... No, entire Entire buildings. buildings, yeah. My dad was one of the first people to have a personal computer in his college when he went to Georgetown. And he was like... What year was that? 80-something? Yes. Mid-80s? Late-80s, probably. Yeah. But he um, he was bragging about... It had five... No, you know what? 
Yeah, late 80s. Mm. But um, he was bragging about it had five <sighs> megabytes of memory. Five megabytes. It's like a photo. In a per... Not even. Not even, The yeah. photos I shoot on my camera are 100 megabytes each. Jeez. It couldn't even hold an iPhone photo. But it didn't really need to, either. No, I mean, it was It just, was, like, just an interface with, like... Like, you just... Yeah, it was before random. user interfaces, too, so yeah. it was all, like, commands and stuff. It yeah. could do basic computation and stuff, but... Yeah, basically, that was just a memory vault for text. Yeah, yeah. Plain text. Yeah. So, just crazy. Weird, weird to think about, but... Anyway, sorry to kind of kill that whole ancestors talk but i ventured down i was like how much memory does our brain have yeah i mean it's an interesting thing do you guys think uh aliens are real i feel like that's a pretty good topic of discussion i don't know isn't there a mathematical argument that there's there's so many millions of planets and there's been so many and there's thousands of years thousands of of habitable planets just in our galaxy and there's millions of galaxies that like in theory It'd be inevitable that there's life somewhere else. I'm going to record a part Mm. two after dinner because Matt said, or... Well, I'm going to family dinner and then the lovely Megan will be here. Meg's coming by? Morgs. Uh, Yeah, so um, Bernie said that he's making dinner and it's going to be around 5.30. I don't know if that's still happening, but it's right around 5.30, so... What if we part two after dinner, threw Meg in the mix, and then we bring up the conversation of aliens, because that is a rock that I'd love to turn over. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what yeah, her take is. We can do that. It was a fun... Expo- it was- I mean, if it doesn't happen today, we can always just... We yeah, I had, I had no idea later. Bill and I shared such a similar age Up gap. Brain. Yeah. 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 That's crazy. No, it's, it's pretty rare to meet someone like that. Like, literally everyone I talk to, they're like, oh yeah, my parents are... Or my grandparents are younger than your parents. If we, if the topic of discussion arises, yeah, that's the wild like, thing. Well, I find yeah. I get along with a lot of folks in their forties, and I think in part Same. because yeah. of the fact that I was probably raised similarly. Yeah. Because of the age of my well, parents. Well, also, you know all the same cultural things that they grew up with because their parents yeah. were the same ages as your parents, who were you know like telling you about like I Love Lucy or like just oh my god I watched I Love Lucy aside from like a couple friends that I had who were my age almost everyone I was around was way older than me like my dad used and mom used to take me to like adult restaurants and like events and stuff so like I was always around adults I don't know about you guys I always feel way more comfortable talking to adults Oh yeah, because it's so easy. You oh, just... like I hated going to youth group. Yeah, I, wanted to I hate oh, yeah. Youth adult group. service. Yeah, I I never would go to the uh, kids service. I'd just sit in the service. Like at eight years old, I'd be listening to the actual pastor because I was like, no, it felt like daycare. Yeah, yeah, and it felt like it's so condescending. It's like I'm yeah. not so stupid that I have to do a coloring page to tell me about Jesus feeding five thousand. Like. Yeah. Yeah, and the conversations we're used to are just my parents and their friends sitting around, and they're the conversations that 60-year-olds are having, yeah, right, you know? Right. One thing I do wish that churches would do is talk more about, like, the men, like the metal-slash-brutal-slash-complicated passages in the Bible, like God killing an entire city of people because they were sitting or something, like... I kind of want to get more into the depth of those passages where it's like, 
when they took over a land, it's like kill every man, woman, child, sheep, dog, burn every piece of gold. Like, I just think you have to like you have to crazy. understand like what age range you're talking to about that. Yeah, like you couldn't just go into youth group and be like hellfire and brimstone. No, but also shit. it's like in today's passage, it's like you know obviously post, no church is like post, soft as fuck now yeah post jesus and shit though it's like yeah. everyone assumes god is love but then all it takes to shake up the faith of a one of those christians is well what about when he like wiped an entire civilization off the face of the map or what about when he drowned the entire egyptian army or you know what about like all that crap and it's like uh god yeah. is love <laughs> i mean what's what's your explanation for that well, okay, so obviously my explanation kind of goes to the two covenants that were given. So the Abrahamic covenant required blood and sacrifice, and that was mm. animal sacrifice. I think that when Christ died, we entered a new age where, like, we were not doing faith-based conquest. Like, I don't think the Reconquistas or any of that was necessarily God-sanctioned. So, but, like... So it was when just, it came it was just to, the, when it came it was, to it was the fact that back then the times were just so barbaric that that's how God operated as well. No, because God doesn't change. I think the requirements of his followers changed because like most of the bloodshed that I was just referring to was during um, the times of conquest to gain the promised land. Mm-hmm. Um and so all the peoples that they were annihilating and destroying every last trace of, I mean, it's hard for me to be like, oh yeah, that was God's will to just completely obliterate the people. But I think it was more so an act of obedience, but still like that's, that's a pretty messy thing. And I'd love to hear how that fits into modern day Christianity and also how that fits into history and how they explain that because, you know, just seems a little bit incongruent and I'm not saying it's a contradiction or anything. I'm not saying God changed his mind. I just kind of want to know more about that period and why things transpired as they did all that and more on the next episode of that's tough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's tough. We just hit, just hit one fifty. So, Oh, we're at two hours. Just about. Yeah. Damn. That actually flew by. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, honestly, this podcast is not really I see it as a vehicle for interesting conversation, not the other way around, where it's interesting conversation for the sake of a podcast. It's a podcast for the sake of interesting conversation. Because Mm. how many times do you just purposefully sit down and have cool conversations with people? Yeah, it takes a lot to just like sit and focus with the boys. Yeah. Because sometimes you'll, you know, maybe something interesting comes up, but it's usually being interrupted by... Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're in the middle of making food and we're talking. We're playing Call of Duty. We're just off work, or and I got. I will go say when we like first sat down, there's definitely because this is the first time I've ever done a podcast. So I was almost like at first I was like, oh, like we have to actually come up with interesting topics of discussion and like you know yeah. But then as you just kind of let it flow, it's just a conversation. The mics just happen to be sitting right yeah, there. Yeah, that's why know? I don't have a format for it. Because, yeah. like, some episodes end up just being dumb stories. And, like, everyone's laughing the whole time. And it sounds like the boy's just chopping up dumb shit. Yeah. And other times you get into more philosophical. I will say, since adding Aubrey, Aubrey. to the mix as the co-host, we tend to skew more philosophical slash actually interesting conversation. Sure. Yeah. 
but previous those are the fun conversations to yeah. have you know because yeah. no. i think everyone has a everyone's philosophical viewpoint is influenced by their life experience yeah so everyone's um, gonna have a different viewpoint on it. i feel like it's also it's a good chance to learn about like um ben like i, I didn't know ben all that well mm-hmm. for the last four or, or five years and so like to me the most interesting thing people are telling is are their stories of just like this is how i grew up these are the stories i know is what made me who right. i am yeah it's like you know, there's something that's just human about that that I enjoy. So yeah, well, no, and so. it is interesting because um, Bill and I have been friends for what 12, 14 years now. Twenty eleven. When did you move here? Twenty eleven summer, or it was September of twenty eleven. Okay, so yeah, twenty eleven then probably. Yeah, so something that's like that. twelve years. Yeah. So know. like, I can't say that there's ever been a time. You know how sometimes. Like with guys, you'll just kind of fall into that rut of being friends. So you kind of forget to ask about like where each other came from because you don't frankly care. It's like you fuck with each other. Actually, what I was about to say is just my conversation with most folks my ages are just such surface level interactions. And it's not that we've been surface level, like we've gotten deep, but it's almost like our like knowledge of each other starts with when we met each other as opposed to knowing more about each other's past. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's kind of a guy that's thing. how guys are. Like, yeah, we just pick up sure. where we started, you know? Yeah. Which is why I, I was actually kind of stoked when you started asking more questions about the background. Because, like, I've definitely put together your family history over the 12 years of knowing you, but I've never mm-hmm. intently gone through it sequentially. It's just kind of this hodgepodge that I have together of what makes yeah. you. So, that's sure. interesting. Yeah. Anyway, I with think that, we've got a good place to cut. Yeah, two hour special and probably not too Wait, what, are, what time are we at right now? 1.54. Shit. I said we just pushed to two. Make it even two. But if we push to two, it's going to end up being two hours and 40 minutes. You know oh, what really? I mean? Like we're, no, we're not going to stop. We're going to get into good yeah, topics yeah, and then yeah. it's all over. Mm. So. Because we were struggling at 50 minutes, and then right, we right, blinked, right, and it's been another hour. What's your favorite color? Oh, see, this is a hard question. Favorite so color. So we might be past two hours at this. Yeah, we'll this. hit a couple rapid fire. Favorite color used to be red. It's kind of settled on um, navy blue. What about you? Ben's favorite color is supreme red. Yeah, actually, supreme I do red. love the color of supreme red. I don't. No, know. your favorite color is tenant red. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who used to wear don't know, we used to have thing. a house system in our private school where all of our houses would compete, like the houses in Harry Potter. And uh, <laughs> sounds so stupid. To <laughs> sounds say so okay. Because it was favorite I actually color. Kind of fuck oh, with it. All right, my favorite color. I'd it's say it's politics. It's that like sea blue or whatever the, like, like cyan like light blue um like sea the blue it's got some green in it kind of like turquoise ish yeah but since like i became a fan of the seahawks and i was like ah, it's oh, kind of lame to be so into this color i think now my favorites are like those um the blue and orange of like sunsets and stuff mm. which then yeah. again i'm a like fucking a burnt, boise state fan yeah so. like a burnt fire ish orange mm-hmm. okay what about Interesting. you i'm definitely in the blue gang as well um, ah, shit, it's hard. I used to really like, like, baby blue, but I think I'm more of like a, like he was saying about sunsets and stuff, like purple blue. I think that's kind of my vibe. 
All right. Favorite number. Favorite number. Four. I was going to say 444 or 777. That's a sequence of numbers, though. Yeah, that's yeah, not what we're asking. We're not no, asking no, 444 or 777. angel number is, okay? Or 333. It's got to be between 1 and 100. I think I like <sighs> 6. I'm no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Actually, I like 7 a seven. lot. Oh, fuck, dude. No, it's okay. We can have the same okay, one. I will say I hate odd numbers because I'm OCD. But I do like seven. Seven is a nice number. It's yeah. aesthetically pleasing. I like three, 14, and 17. Nice. Yeah. Wait, why? Numbers. I don't know what it is about 17. It may just be... Your class of 17, aren't you? It might be that it's my class number. Okay. And it's also like a prime number, which I think is exciting. Yeah. But one and, then and seven are also... 14 is my birthday. So See, I thought that. we were doing one through nine. And then there's three, <laughs> three, like I have three brothers. Yeah, that's a sequence of numbers. So three. Okay, three. Three is your choice. F- dream car. Go. Dream car? Uh, fuck. Come back to me. I gotta think about that. Porsche 911 GT2. RS. Honda Type R. <laughs> Beautiful. Civic? It's gotta be, yeah, because I just, it's gotta be stick shift and it's gotta be made by the Japanese. Okay, fair okay, enough. Okay. What real, about you? Real reliability with high performance. I feel what you mean, but also high performance with an asterisk because it is still, uh, you know. I would probably say Hellcat Demon. <laughs> that Honestly, pair. to be really fair, the like, dream car right now would be, just be the like ludicrous speed Model S or something. Oh, like the Plaid? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Wait, wait. The What brand is that? Tesla, Tesla oh, Model Tesla. S Plaid. Yeah, okay. I hate Aren't the Model Tesla's 3s. Like I, just, I just love the idea of you're driving next to somebody and they're, you know, they got their loud, dumb Hellcat <laughs> and then you just destroy them <laughs> off the line with an electric that. vehicle. Also, no, the, the Tesla Model S Plaid, I think, can go 0 to 60 in under 2 seconds. I'm pretty sure Hellcats can do that too. No, they absolutely cannot. SRTs, yeah. No shot. No, no come on. Look that up. We need to know. And they're making electric SRTs now. Yeah, the electric electric motors have incredible torque. That's why they can go as fast as yeah. they do, whereas... Yo. Hey, it's Bernie. Okay, yeah. The, yeah. the Tesla Model S Plaid, 0 to 60 in 1.98. Yeah, 1.98 seconds. Dodge, Dodge Demon. Dodge Demon. How much is that? You got beef? Like 2.3. Really? Eat that. <laughs> I'll eat that. Because eat Tesla's it. are for Hey, Bernie. Yeah, Bernie's yeah. got the meats. I got the meats. Call me Arby's. Oh, oh yeah. Nice. Love, Love me some meat. Mm. There's not much. But... What is also, this from? This is from Tavern. This is great. It's good. Let's go with the bread, too, and the ashi sauce. All right. Is that a French dip? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fuck. I want a French dip now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm going to make that steak tomorrow, though, because I already got that, so. No, it's fine, man. With that, we're going to cut. Yep. All right. Thank you for listening this far. Make sure to unsub, unsubscribe, dislike, and tell us to go fuck ourselves, please. Actually, wait. Real shit. Turn on the notification bell on whatever (sighs) streaming service you're on. No, no. Like you said, dislike, unsub. Turn off the bell.
subscribe to my OnlyFans. Bury this podcast. Don't don't share it. Yeah. Keep keep all your friends. Sure. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. That's a wrap. by contributions to your PBS station from viewers like you. Thank you.